Support for this podcast and the following message comes from KUST, Campus Radio, a student-operated, non-commercial radio station. KUST provides students and faculty of St. Thomas a platform dedicated to creative storytelling, diverse viewpoints, and exploring a vast array of audio content. Tune in anytime to KUST at Mixler.com slash KUST hyphen radio. Welcome to Keep the Ball Rolling, presented by Tommy Media. On today's show, we transition to basketball season. We bring in St. Thomas men's soccer coach John Lowry and senior forward Andrew Shirley to talk about the Mayak tournament and playoffs. And we preview Tommy Winter Sports along with many other sports topics. Welcome to episode four, Carly Noble. Welcome back. We were just here last week, but we're at it again. Yeah, back just to back. Our viewers, they uh, they like the content, so we're more. And there's too much to talk about. There's yeah. so much going on right now. Like, how can we not have another episode? We've got Mayak playoffs for soccer. We've got um, football has two games left. Basketball and hockey starting up. You know, St. Thomas is in a uh, is in a sporting mood this fall. We're in full sports mode. That's for sure. Yeah, we are for sure. So let's transition to basketball season. I know football's not done. Soccer's not done. Volleyball's not done. All, all fall sports are still going on, but let's talk about basketball. Should we preview our men's team first? Let's preview the men's team first. So this team had a pretty good run last year. They were very good with freshman point guard Anders Nelson. We had three really good seniors, Michael Hannon, GT Johnson, and Connor Bear. We graduated those three, but I think we're still going to be pretty good this year. This is the first time in 10-plus uh, years that there's not going to be a Hannon playing for Coach Tower on the court. Wow. Yeah, you know, that's like— How many brothers did he have? I believe there were three of them. Three, okay. There might, might have been four, yeah. but at least three. But, you know, it was a, it's a pretty big jump. It's a transition for uh, an, a little bit of an era. That, so. Yeah, that'll be very interesting to not have the Hannons shooting three-pointers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> when you talk about last season, um, their playoff run, I, w- I, w- I traveled out to Nebraska yep. with them, got to see them take down the number one seed in the country, Nebraska Wesleyan, and it was a wild game. The fans inside that stadium, they were uh, – or in, inside that uh, court, they were uh, they were pretty crazy. I'm not going to – they're all dressed up in costumes, and some of them in – Costumes you didn't want to see, yeah. Uh, yeah, trying to throw off your free th- three-point shooters, all <laughs> that stuff. So, but we still won, and we're coming into the season ranked number fifteen. Yeah, in the D three basketball poll, so that's pretty cool. And it's Coach Tower's ninth season as head coach. And a fun fact is he has the best winning percentage among active Division three coaches. Really, at point seven nine seven. So that's actually that's pretty cool. His um records one hundred eighty five to forty seven as a coach. You ever seen a uh, Towers uh uh. Three point three point shot. No, I haven't. He's actually got a pretty good uh, really? step back. You know, he can uh, he can cut back on one foot, throw it up. Okay, well yeah. I'll have to ask him to do that for <laughs> me after a game. Yeah, no, we were uh, we, he practiced a little bit with the guys out in Nebraska. It's kind of funny to watch him. Uh, he's not he he's still got some skills from back in the day. I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so some important people are returning this year. Like I said, we graduated three really good seniors, but we still have. Tommy Anderson returning, Elijah Hanna, Thomas Madison. Those are our three seniors this year. Mm-hmm. Um, juniors Ryan Lindbergh and Burt Hedstrom are really good for us from three-point line. Yep. Um, sophomores Honors Nelson, Riley Miller, Zach Thiessen are leading returners. So, And apparently there's a quite some good freshmen coming up. And, and the thing is, Anders is such a good player. You look at him, you wouldn't expect him to be a freshman last year, and you wouldn't expect him to be a sophomore this year. He's somebody who... Could easily be playing. Uh, in my opinion, I think he could be a walk-on at a 
at a D1 level coming off the bench. He, he's that good of a player. Right. He was Division Three Rookie of the Year last mm-hmm. year. He was leading the team in scoring. He was score- I think he was averaging 20-some points a game in the yeah. beginning of the year. That's crazy. His first, like, five games, it was 22, I think. And then mm-hmm. he dropped down to 18. But still, he led the team in scoring for the most part along with Connor Bear. And he doesn't ha- he's not that big of a kid. No. He's what, six foot, six Probably one. six one, yeah. Yeah, and Anders is – he doesn't have a big build on him. He's pretty, pretty skinny, but – God, can he move on the court? And he's got some handles that can just blow away defenders. Right. So it'll be fun to watch him. Um, like I said, there's a bunch of freshmen, five of that who joined the varsity mm-hmm. roster, and apparently they're pretty good. They're all pretty tall, too. They're all over six feet. Six, seven, six, five, six, two, six, 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 two. Yeah. And you know, I've heard there's a transfer coming in, two on the basketball okay. team. You want to tell us a little bit about him? Um, Jake Paper from Fargo. So he played in 41 games off the bench the last two seasons at Division II Minnesota Duluth, and he's transferred here. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that goes. That, I mean, that sounds interesting. It's and always intriguing when you get a transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he's played two seasons, I'm guessing he's a junior this year then? Um, he must, yeah, yeah, must be. At least a junior or a senior, one of the two. Aren't you writing a story on them soon? Yeah, him yeah. And his, him and his sister? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Paper and his sister, his uh, he's got a sister who's a freshman coming in, and they're, the, they're a um, – a brother-sister duo that is uh, playing for St. Thomas basketball. His sister's on the women's team. He's on the men's team. So it's kind of a cool um, little vibe they've got going of the brother-sister combo. And it's just unique to see um, two siblings playing the same sport yep. at the same school. And they have this, their support for each other, you know. Parents don't have to go to two separate schools now to <laughs> their support. Their parents will be living here, I'm sure, over yeah. January, especially when they all have mm-hmm. so many games here. And they're probably saving a lot of gas money, too. Oh, yeah. Do you know where they're from? No. Are they? I, okay. Uh, not yet. No, no, no. Huh. I wonder if they're from Minnesota here. But Well, I will find out soon because we've got an article coming out for them early next week. Nice sales pitch. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank so you. So the Tommies, they play most of their um, beginning games, the first season games, on the road. Their first five are on the road. And then they start playing at home. So we won't be covering them until about December, I would say. Yeah, and having those first five games on the road, you know, that's not a bad thing, you know, because you, you start to adapt on the road. You want to start off winning on the road for your season. It's it's nice to have that challenge early on, especially for uh, um, a team like St. Thomas because your home court, you win a lot of games. But if you can win early on the road and set the tone for your season, you're in good hands. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, women's basketball, let's move on to them. And they also start their season on the road. They're coming into the season ranked number nine yep. in the Division Three basketball poll, which is pretty pretty good ranking, pretty cool. Last year, they made it to the Final Four. Didn't you go with them, Carl? I did go with them to Virginia, Salem, Virginia. That was pretty fun. We lost there, but it was a great season. Um, but we graduated three really good players for us. Okay. Hannah Spaulding, <laughs> All-America standout. There we go. Um, Lucia Renikoff and Kaylee Brazel. So those are those are yeah. three seniors they graduated, and but I think they're still going to come back and they're still going to be good. Mm-hmm. It's a very very young team. I don't know if you've looked at the roster yet, but it consists of mon- ma- mainly freshmen and sophomores, and we only have uh, junior Kaya Porter coming back. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that there's no seniors this year, right? Um, no, there's not because a bunch of people quit actually. Really? What? Do you have any reason why? I think some of it was just because, like, you know, school and life gets in the way. Some of them probably didn't feel that playing time was going to be, um, you know, as much as they hoped for. But, Mm. um, I don't know. I think that they'll they'll, they'll have a good team with this young team because Coach Sinch, he just produces great basketball players. Um, it'll be interesting to see, though, because there are a lot of freshmen. There are nine, mm-hmm. and there are nine sophomores. So it'll be interesting. 
That's for sure. They have a uh, big shoes to fill. Yeah. So you mentioned Kaya Porter. Uh, yeah. She's one of 20 players named a D3 Hoops uh, preseason All-America team that was announced this past Monday. Um, last season, she averaged 13.4 points per game, uh, 4.5 uh, rebounds, and 77% from the free throw line. Correct. So she's somebody to keep an eye on. You know, there's big shoes to fill with uh, the gap of, of Hannah Spalding, mm -hmm. as you mentioned. You want to talk about people who've left a uh, left kind of their mark on Tommy Sports. Hannah Spalding is one of them. She is one of the best uh, female basketball players to ever come through St. Thomas. Right. And uh, filling filling that gap on this team is going to be big this year, but it, it gives an opportunity for someone like Porter to fill in those shoes and kind of step up in a leadership role that is uh, unprecedented. So and I think Kyle will do that, considering there's only two juniors on the team, and mm -hmm. they're the lead. Her and um, Macy Hasad are the leaders of this team. Sure. I think I think they'll do a good job. I know Spalding, though she – or Kaya has big shoes to fill, but yep. I think she'll be able to do it. She's a quieter girl. Hannah was a quieter girl, oh, too. Oh, gosh, yeah. They're not very, like, vocal, super vocal, but they, they lead by example with their play, and yeah. Kaya's such a strong player in the post that I think she'll be able to do it just fine. Yeah, and you mentioned um, they, they start on the road, too. They play five games before Thanksgiving, yep. and then they've got a home opener on November 20th against UW-Superior with their first Mayak contest coming November 23rd against St. Catharines. So we have a couple weeks until we cover them. But. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of fun to kind of get in, inside covering sports now. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be out in the cold. Carly and I were out uh, in the uh, freezing 31-degree temperature for five or six hours yesterday <laughs> covering playoff soccer. Yep. And... Uh, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun, but uh, I'm pretty sure it took us a couple hours to warm up once we both got back inside. Right. I'm definitely excited to move into basketball season and hockey season. Yep. I mean, hockey rings are a little cold, but at least you're not outside. Yep. Um, yeah. I'm There's definitely no wind. excited. Yeah, I'm excited to be inside at arenas for basketball, for sure. You know, and on top of that, we've got swim and dive starting soon, too. You know, we'll be mm -hmm. covering one or two events, uh, home events throughout the year with them, and then, uh, like you said, we've got men's and women's basketball, men's and women's hockey. And it just starts that transition from fall to winter, and you know, come with that comes that come what comes with that. Gosh, I can't talk. Is kind of a a different um, different terms of sports coverage from Tommy Media. You know, it's going to be a lot more uh, a lot more fun. I think um, being inside and having the vast array of our reporters helping out, and we've got photographers going inside the gyms with us now, and it'll just be a fun time. I agree. All right, well, are you excited for basketball? Yeah, I'm excited for basketball. Okay. But today we have some special guests coming in that aren't basketball. Like Carly, like I said, Carly and I were outside yesterday in the freezing cold covering playoff soccer, and both St. Thomas men's and women's teams uh, won 3-0 to zero over their opponents in the Mayak semifinal playoffs. The men down in the Carlton Knights and the women. Carly, who did the women beat? Do you remember? I'm trying to remember yesterday. Gosh. The women. The women played Bethel. Bethel, goodness. Yeah, yeah I should Jeez, know this. The cold is getting to our brains. Yeah, you know, um, and that's what happens. Yeah, they played Bethel and they beat them 3-0. to zero. It was a really good game. Yeah, and it was a, that was a really good game because mm -hmm. earlier in the season they beat Bethel only 1-0 and it was in yeah. overtime. Yep. So, you know, it's a good win uh, for both teams. Yep. But now we have the honor of bringing in uh, two special guests from St. Thomas uh, men's soccer. He's in his fourth um, year as a Tommy. Head coach John Lowry and six career matches. He fell to a torn ACL in the beginning of October in 2018, which prematurely ended his season, but he stormed back in 2019 to help lead the Tommies to a Mayak playoff championship this coming Saturday. Accompanying Shirley today is Tommy head coach John Lowry. Lowry's in his eighth year coaching at St. Thomas. Thanks for joining the show, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Welcome. You know, you, know, you guys had a big game yesterday. You guys kind of just, uh, you'd warm up afterward, of course, but how does it feel just a day after? Uh, I, 
I think we feel good. You know, we've been building for that moment, and the the performance yesterday was. I don't think it was our best. I think there was some some details that we left unkept, but the way the game broke was, and I know we talked with Andrew and the rest of the guys at halftime about some adjustments we had to make, but I think it, it was a good representation of what playoff soccer looks like, and I'm happy for the guys to uh, find a way to win because we want to win games, but we also know that we have to win games different ways. Yeah. So, Coach, um, your team claimed a share for its third MIAC title four seasons. Going all the way back to about two months ago, would you expect to be where you are right now, and w- what has that journey been like tre- uh, leading you into the playoffs? I think there's a lot in this team that reminds me of teams in the past that have done really well and, and had postseason success as well as regular season success. But what makes this team unique is I think we've been through a lot of adversity. A lot of that came at us the first couple of weeks of September. Um, you know, but we've we've made unbelievable strides in uh, the way that we're treating each other, the way that we're playing and the confidence. And I, I think this is a special group. And I, th- I think there's a lot in this group. I think we have... Uh, not only do we have talent, but I think there's a culture in place that guys understand what it's going to take to get it done, and it's an extremely driven group right now. So I, I'm really pleased with where we're at, and I'm really excited about where we're going to go. Andrew, kind of going off that, you've been a part of this team for four seasons mm-hmm. now. You've experienced four different teams. What's special about this one? Um, <clears throat> I'd probably say two things. First thing is we've never really experienced the adversity that Coach just talked about in the beginning of the year. I think we've always um, – Maybe not always, but it's never been quite the same just onslaught of, of competitive games that we've had. And, and it, it was something new that I'd never experienced in the program, probably hadn't experienced yet. Um, but otherwise, I think the the way that this group is operating is, is kind of just everyone um, everyone's ready to go. And there's not really one um, or two or three people that we're relying on and, and waiting for it to kind of pop up in the right spot at the right moment. I, everyone's ready to do that. Everyone's ready to be that person. And I think that's kind of unique um, as compared to what we've had before. And as I mentioned in our intro, your 2018 season, it ended with an ACL injury. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big setback for a lot of athletes when an injury like that happens. What did you kind of do to get back here in 2019 and, and take the pitch? Uh, I mean, first of all, the motivating factor was just to be back here um, for a senior season and, and to put together a good senior season and a good season for the entire group. But I think the most important thing throughout that entire process for me was um, just taking it day by day. I think, you know, if you can win, the way I the way I looked at it was if I can win today, then and it puts me towards tomorrow, and then if I can win tomorrow, it puts me towards the next day. And so it was it was just always, I have it as my phone background, what will it take today? And, and um, I think that was able to get me through the process um, stronger, I would say, than I was before. So, Coach, I don't mean to jinx anything here, but the last time you guys lost was mid-September. Mm-hmm. What have you done to change or alter your play, your team, to go on an 11-game win streak? Well, I think it's, it's, it's ironic because it's similar to Andrew's journey with his ACL. I mean, we, we've just taken it day to day. I, I do think from the big picture, I think our coaching staff has done a really good job. I think Tom Krzyzewski deserves a ton of credit for the, the, the insight and the, and the periodization that he puts in. Jeff Frickholm has been a great addition to help us tactically and just with culture and, and overall balance. Um, and Shane and Connor coming back as former players has been special. But I, I think there was two things. One, we had to get the puzzle right. We had to get guys in the right spot. Um, you know, early in the year, we had guys playing in spots that I look back and I'm like, wow, what, what were we thinking? But, but we kind of had to go through that. And now we've settled. And I think the players feel settled. And I think the plan is settled. Um, and the depth within that plan gives us a lot of opportunities to be successful. So 
you know, it was it was a place where I felt a little bit of pressure, uh, like week three or four, because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, we got to get this right. After the trip to California, I was like, we got to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple key things, I mean, you know, Andrew moving up as a nine for us is that's working. Uh, Sam in the midfield is dominant. You know, Halver on the back line is dominant and then the pieces around them have been very stable and i think that the shape that we settled into with a 352 or whatever you want to call it uh, i think the players believe in it i think the coaches are really confident in it and it gives us a lot of flexibility to find ways to win games yeah so you talk about that flexibility and some of the struggles early on in the season uh, there are a few points this season where you'd play a three back or a four back mm-hmm. um, what have you done to kind of find the best formation for this team and then could you also explain to our listeners the difference between a three-back and a four-back? I mean, there, there, there's there's differences, obviously, structurally. I mean, you're a little bit thinner on the back line with three because you can't cover as much space horizontally as you would with four. Um, I would argue that we're covering that space better now with guys like Johnny Acevedo and Josh Greshik, who's Josh has been phenomenal. So it, it's it's a flexible formation. And I think, I think one of the things that led us to it was – the presence that Ethan Anderson has, the presence that Halver Hogg has, and the presence that Isaac Eckroth or Jack Leckler have, in my mind, they're all center backs. So, you know, when we looked at it as a staff and we were working it on the board, it was like, okay, how do we play with three center backs? And then it kind of led us to the next step and how do we play in the midfield and what's, you know, where's the best spot for Andrew? Where's the best spot for Sam? Where's the best spot for Jack Berry? Jack Berry going to the midfield was a courageous move. and, And there was nights where I didn't, know if it was going to work and it's really taken so I, I just think the the difference is there's a lot of them you know but 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 my priority and I see my job as getting these guys into spots where we can be our most effective so is it a 3-5-2 it is it's a very flexible uh, 3-5-2 there's times where it's a 5-3-2 there's times where we close games out in a 4-1-3-2 and I think the the variances within those movements are basic, and the guys, in my mind, uh, the guys completely understand what we're asking them to do tactically. Sure. Shirley, you've played a few different positions this year, mm-hmm. but now you move to the top for the <clears throat> Tommies. Do you feel that striker is your best position? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've played it my whole life, um, up until coming to St. Thomas, and I mean, so I, it feels natural to me, but at the same time, I was always going to, um, you know, put my best effort forward, whether or not that was as a nine or not. Um, but yes, I do feel very comfortable up top. Cool. All right, so coach, we're gonna we're gonna track back a few years now. Oh boy. You had quite the playing career yourself oh back boy. in the day. We're going uh, way back. Yeah, Coach Lowry, you won the <laughs> nineteen ninety four Gatorade player of the year in high school and you played your college uh, college soccer at Ohio State mm-hmm. and you followed that up playing professionally with the Minnesota Thunder, uh, the Tampa Bay Mutiny Carolina Dynamo and a few call-ups to MLS with DC United. Yeah, you want to just uh, let's let's start with um, let's start with the USL and then we'll transition to your MLS career. What was it like uh, starting out going from Ohio State to um, USL with the Minnesota Thunder? It was it was great. I had a great relationship with Mr. Lagos uh, as I went through high school, and he was a great resource not only to develop as a player but help me get to Ohio State. Um, and as they kind of evolved as a club, it it, it started to come together. Whereas I graduated from Ohio State. Um, they were looking for a goalkeeper at the time because John Swallen, great great name from the past, yeah. was looking to retire. So I got involved with the club, I believe, in the summer of '99. The team won an A League championship that year, and they were they they were really good to me. They they brought me in. I didn't play right away, um, but but I started to develop and learn what it's like to be a pro soccer player. It's different now than it was then. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
you know, and then things kind of took off from there. And we had uh, we had a general manager called Bill Manning at that time, who then left and went to Tampa. Um, and Bill then kind of brought me along with some other players from Minnesota, and we got an opportunity to go down to Tampa, spend some time in Carolina. And the the one year in Tampa was unique because, you know, the soccer landscape it's yep. always changing. It was it was a year of. Uh, uh, it was not a good year for Tampa. It was a great experience. It was a great experience to be in the MLS, but you know, to have a teammate like Carlos Valderrama, to have yep. a teammate like Mamadou Diallo, to have a teammate like Chad McCarty, um, you know, Eric Quill, Aiden Brown was a great yep. uh, mentor and friend of mine who was who was the starting goalkeeper. So there was there was a lot of really cool things happening, and then I I got to the point where um, I, I I always feel like I thought like a coach. Um, I think something Andrew and I relate to really well is I think he thinks like a coach a lot. And and I knew that day was going to come, and I got an opportunity to go to UMass Amherst on a sport management uh, program where they were going to pay for my grad school and, and decided that my days were going to be better served as a as a coach than as a player. Did you have any, ever have any aspirations for, like, a U.S. men's national team? As a coach? No, no, as a player. Oh, as a player, no. I, I think I knew my lane. Sure. Um, I, I, think I, I, I think I took my ability um, at the time – at the time, there was 12 teams in MLS. Yep. There was 24 goalkeepers under contract, and I was one of them. Um, so I, I felt like that was a great accomplishment, and I also was smart enough to know the landscape of, you know, when I when I went to preseason with with uh, with Tampa, and I walked in, and Aiden Brown was there. I mean, he's six six, and his arms <laughs> go about eight feet across the room. Um, you know, I I, I kind of knew my lane, and I I feel I feel confident that I took took what I could do as a player to a pretty good level. Sure. All right, Carly, I think you've got one more for Coach. So the MLS Cup Final is on Sunday. Yes. Do you have any bold <laughs> predictions for that game? Uh, bold predictions. Let's go. I mean, Seattle's hosting. I think there's there's a lot to be said about that. Um, I think this Toronto team is dangerous. I think if Josie's playing, I don't know if Josie's going to play. I, they haven't announced it yet. I think they're going to hold that until the very last minute. Um, I I think there's something in this Toronto game, including $6.5 million for, for Michael if they win. Um, so yeah. I, I, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a well-contested final. I think it's going to be boring. Okay. I don't think it's going to be a very entertaining game. But I think if I have to make a bold prediction, I'm going to go Toronto. Yeah, so I think Toronto takes it on penalties. So what Coach was mentioning there is uh, midfielder Michael Bradley, a former U- or still a U.S. men's national team player, um, if Toronto wins MLS Cup final on Sunday, he is guaranteed a six and a half million dollar contract uh, for next season. So there's a big aspiration for him. And Shirley, do you do you follow MLS much? Yeah. So do you have any bold predictions for Sunday? Um, I I I think that I I agree. I think Toronto's gonna win. I would I would say, um, let, let's go two one Toronto. Uh, regular regular time. Yeah, regular time. Okay. Um, but I agree, it's gonna be boring and yeah. Okay. Let's go two on Toronto. Okay, so we've got one final question for the both of you, and it's the controversy that surrounds soccer for the past decade. <laughs> Coach Messi or Ronaldo, who is the better player and why? I, I have, I'm very confident in this answer, and, and I've, I've, I've been asked this and I've answered it before. For me, Cristiano Ronaldo is like nothing this planet has ever seen as a player, and I respect everything that Messi does. How could you not? But I think if I had to if I had to start a team, if I was a GM, technical director, head coach, I would go with Cristiano. I think his power, I think his his knack for the big moment. I think he can play in multiple systems with multiple players and be effective. So it might not be the most popular answer, but I I'm gonna stand with my guy Cristiano. 
All right, and Shirley, what are you what are you thinking here? <laughs> I gotta disagree. Yeah. Oh, there <laughs> it is. <laughs> the better the, to me, the better soccer player is Lionel Messi. But um, I I don't want to. I have very extended thoughts about this debate, so I won't go into them um, completely. But in short, um, Ronaldo is a specialist um, in the 18-yard box and in and around the 18-yard box of the opposition. Lionel Messi. Um, is a better all-around player in terms of progressing play, getting teammates involved, and then also obviously adding his own. So Ronaldo's a better forward, Messi's a better player. That's how I look at it. What about with Argentina, though? Oh, <laughs> there's well, more. I don't know if we need to get into that debate. <laughs> there's more going on in Argentina than just Leo. They're not getting paid. Yeah. Well, we'll right. talk about that another time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'd like to thank Coach John Lowry and forward Andrew Shirley for joining us. And as we previously mentioned in the show, They've got a really big game coming up this Saturday. Uh, they find out who they play and where they play this afternoon when Gustavus and St. John's play. Whoever wins that game will be the opponent. Um, if the Johnnies win, St. Thomas will host Saturday. If the Gusties win, um, Gustavus will host. So, uh, Thanks for joining us today, thanks guys. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Good luck Saturday. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, so a big thanks to head coach John Lowry and senior forward Andrew Shirley for joining us on the show today. They've got a big game on Saturday, like we mentioned, and we wish them the best of luck. But now we're going to transition to a few more uh, uh, sports on the professional side of things. As Just a well. bunch of random things. <laughs> yeah. So one of the biggest things going on in Minnesota sports this coming weekend is Gopher football. They host number four Penn State, and they're number 13 ranked um, in the nation. And this is unprecedented for Gopher football. No, they're. N- there you go. Um, start over again. Okay, that's fine. Tell me when. So a big thanks to Coach John Lowry and Senior Forward Andrew Shirley for joining us on the show today. Um, like we mentioned, they've got a really big game coming up this Saturday in the Mayak Championship playoff game. Uh, We wish them the best of luck. But now we're going to transition to some professional sports on the local scene, as well as a bunch of random sports things it's a happening lot, it's a lot of random stuff yeah but it's but good stuff to cover this is podcasting carly this is For what sure. we do we just so, talk about random stuff yeah <laughs> all right all right so one of the biggest things happening in local minnesota sports is the gopher football team the university of minnesota number 13 in the nation hosts number five penn state saturday 11 o'clock a.m and it's just after head coach pj fleck received a new brand new contract made his money He's got his bag, and he is in a good mood ahead of this one. So is Minnesota in general. This is a massive game for us. Everybody's hyped. The governor, Tim Walls, yesterday declared Friday Maroon and Gold Day in really? Minnesota. Yeah. Wait. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's it's. This is such a hyped game for us. There was um, ESPN's College Game Day. There was so much, uh, so much on social media. Everyone's saying, "Hey." You don't need to go to number one LSC or number one Alabama, number two LSU. Come to Gophers. Are they is ESPN Game Day coming? No, oh. they chose to go to Tuscaloosa instead. That'd be so cool if you they know. did. Yeah, I mean, it would have been awesome because of how cool this game is. Like, right? Minnesota football is good, Carly. I know. Who We're thought? undefeated. That's insane. This is crazy. This I know. is like the best feeling ever, um, and it's such a big game. It mean for Minnesota football, if you beat number five Penn State. Mm-hmm. Y- that like it's unprecedented. You 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 see that you see the matchup. You see our record. You see Penn State's matchup, and it's just genuinely exciting to think about. Um, 
I'm I'm just I can't you I think you can tell how excited I am for this, Carly. You are, and I'm sure you wish you could go to the game, but uh, you'll be covering St. Thomas football. Hey, St. Thomas versus Gustavus will still be a really good game, but we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> okay, sounds good. But I mentioned that PJ Fleck uh, got a new contract, and uh, I'll just uh, say a little quote here. Athletic director Mark Coyle um, confirmed that Fleck's base annual salary would be four point six million, but his buyout is ten million. Jeez. If he if if he leaves in the first year of his contract, so say. Uh, Say Fleck does really good next year, and yep. midseason Alabama wants to buy him. You know, they cost $10 million. It's mm-hmm. not actually going to happen. It's just, for example, um, the buyout decreases to $4.5 million after his second year, and $3 million, and then $2, and uh, um, it's, he's, there's no buyout in his final and year. Anyways, if he's terminated, yeah. Minnesota still owes him 65% of his contract, right? Yep, yep, yep. Wow. And, but I don't think that's a problem because no. Minnesota has embraced P.J. Fleck. Row the boat. There are kids dressing up as PJ Fleck for Halloween. That was I've seen so many pictures of that. That's Isn't, so funny. It's cute, you know? But so I think students love him. Oh god, yeah. People are always like, PJ Fleck, like pictures of him all over Twitter, yeah. you know, everything. And his outfits for the game. He yep. has like these really cool shoes and mm-hmm. maroon and gold and yellow. There was a uh, there was a group of uh, gopher football fans in the stands for one of the games earlier this season. They all shaved their heads. They oh all had gosh. black sunglasses on, khaki pants, a gopher quarter zip. <laughs> And like uh, Nike Air Jordans. Don't, sometimes the tie. Don't forget the tie. Oh sometimes yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a tie underneath the quarters there. Yeah, yeah. But um, they all were standing in the front row, right behind the team, and they were just like standing there, looking like security guards. That's the so funniest funny. thing ever. Oh. Um, but this Saturday, 11 a.m. Gophers host Penn State in one of the biggest uh, college football games. Do you think this we'll season. win? Gophers will win. I actually think we have a really good chance. Okay. So I think we'll give them a run for our money, their money, but like I don't know if we'll win. Yeah. So. That's Saturday, but on Sunday there's another really big sporting event. You know, MLS Cup final. Oh, Car- yeah, Carly's giving me that look because <laughs> all I ever talk about is soccer with her. But it's true, MLS Cup final is on Sunday. Carly, who's playing? Seattle hosts Toronto. So the Sounders host Toronto in one of the most unusual Cup finals you'd, you'd see in MLS. Nobody expected those teams, two teams to be there. But it, Seattle's hosting at CenturyLink Field, the same place where the Seahawks play. And it is sold out, 72,000, both all three decks in the stadium, completely sold out, 72,000 people. It is going to be loud. It is going to be rowdy. Jacob, I'm surprised you're not going. <laughs> yeah, Carly, I wish I could go. Are you, are you telling me you want to play for my plane ticket? Um, we'll put it on the Tommy Media. Yeah, yeah. We'll Tommy do, Media expenses. We'll just charge it to the Tommy Media credit card. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but uh, there's over 10,000 people on a ticket waiting list for the game right now. Wow. That's how, like, there's people traveling from Toronto um, rumors are Toronto has around 3,000 um, allocated traveling supporters going to the game. And then, you know, you'll see more Toronto fans just buy wholesale or resale mm-hmm. tickets. Um, it's going to be a really good game. They've, this is the third time in four years those two teams have met in, a cup, in the championship game in the cup final. So, uh, Who should we watch out for, Jacob? Alejandro Pozuelo and Nicolas Lodero. Wow. Um, Lodero and Pozuelo are two designated players. Um, each team's al- allowed three designated players. And... Ladero has been kind of the um, the mastermind behind Seattle's attack. He creates chances in the final third. He'll find uh, he'll find those key passes. He has the vision. And, you know, sometimes he'll rip one and just it'll end up in the top corner. You know, he's he's all around just a playmaker. And the same thing for Pasuelo. He is a uh, he uh, was bought for eight and a half million this past um, summer. He uh, came from Belgium and uh, Toronto have completely changed the way they play. Um, so he's he's a uh, he was capped by the Spanish national team at the youth level. Hasn't played there since, but Pozuelo is definitely someone to watch out for. He scored a hat trick in the first round of the uh, 
playoffs this year. And he's just somebody just like Ladero who can create something out of nothing. He's a creative playmaker. He'll he'll find some way to make something happen. And along with Pozuelo um, and um, Ladero, there's recognizable names on each roster from the U.S. men's national team. Um, Jordan Morris, a winger with Seattle. Um, Josie Altador, a striker with Toronto. Uh, both have started many recent games for the U.S. men's national team. So it's not just those two uh, team supporters. It's a lot of recognizable names from around the world and around uh, the U.S. men's national team. And it should be a really good game. So that's on Sunday at 2 p.m. on ABC. And for the first time in over 10 years, um, it's on public television, which I, really think, cool. I think is awesome. I'll be watching. Will you be watching? Uh, I'm sure you will. Heck, yeah, I'm going to be watching. But I just think it's cool that soccer, a big soccer game is going to be on public television. For sure. So That'll be cool. Should we move on to the Vikings? Yeah. What are the Vikings should. up to? Is Kirk Cousins good yet? Um, Kirk good Cousins is good. He's yeah. finally he's finally figured out that when you put your arm back and you release the ball, <laughs> it's supposed to be thrown to your own teammate, not the opposition. Right, right. Yeah. That's that's how it's supposed to be. Maybe yeah. he was a little more like Aaron Rodgers. He wouldn't have that problem. Oh, okay. Yeah, says the Packer fan. Cheesehead. So the Vikings have won four in a row. Yep. Tough loss to the Chiefs after a questionable play call. Were you watching that game? I was. Um, and the questionable play call came from Mike Zimmer. I okay. was really frustrated with, in those final two minutes, how he orchestrated the uh, the, the defense, mm-hmm. and then we had one offensive drive. It's just frustrating. He called a timeout when he shouldn't have, and it gave the Chiefs time to figure out what they were going to do. And for some reason, our secondary could not mark Tyreek Hill. I, okay. Like, he's fast, I get it, but come on. Like, you've got to be able to... You've got to be able to mark your, your your guy at least once during the game. Trey Waynes couldn't do anything against Tyreek Hill, so it was frustrating to watch. Um, they didn't even have Pat Mahomes. It would uh, yeah, he's been out. <laughs> yeah, so you lost to a Chiefs side that are kind of average without Pat Mahomes, mm-hmm. and it's just dumb. You know, you shouldn't lose to you shouldn't lose to them. You shouldn't uh, you shouldn't fall to a team that you're better than, I guess. So for Minnesota, they're still high in the power rankings. However. A loss, at, a loss to a Chiefs team that isn't very good without their best player. Um, it's a loss that shouldn't happen. So moving forward, the uh, the Vikings, what they need to do is they need to find a consistent uh, consistency from not only um, Kirk Cousins but their defense, Zimmer. I <laughs> I have a feeling Zimmer could be on the hot seat. After I feel this like season. he kind of was last year too, and yeah. there was talk at the media about that, but. You know, I mean, nothing's been really determined. If you if you if you stay consistent and you keep you keep winning, good for you. But I still think uh, I still think Zimmer's a better like defensive coordinator rather than a uh, play caller. I don't like his Head offensive coach. play calling. Yeah, and they play the Cowboys this weekend. So. Yep, they play the Cowboys, and uh, you know, <laughs> you beat the Cowboys, good on you. But if you lose to the Cowboys, don't be too upset. Right, exactly. So. All right, should we move on to a little St. Thomas stuff before? So, a little St. Thomas stuff. Carly, you want to give us a little D1 update? Is there anything new? There's really not much new. There hasn't been anything new released from the university. Yep. Um, as Tommy Media, we've been doing a little digging and background research. We put out an article on the football leagues that we could potentially be going to. We put, we put out an article. Um, we're going to be putting one out about hockey soon, and we're probably going to do one about soccer, Division One soccer. So... There's stuff coming, and but nothing has been released from the university. We don't know anything mm-hmm. more besides the fact that the NCAA is still talking about our waiver. It's still in discussions. Hopefully, they make a decision in January or April are the two timelines we've been given. Sure. So it's still going to be a few months. Sure. And, you know, uh, if our listeners recall, what are the two leagues that St. Thomas is uh, trying to get into for Division One? For Division One. Yeah. What are the two leagues they're uh, 
um, looking into. It's the Summit League and the Pioneer League, right? Right. So, well, yes, the Summit League would be for all of our other sports, and then the Pioneer League would be for football. Yep, and, and uh, then men's and women's hockey, where does that kind of stand? Men's and women's hockey, since the Summit League doesn't have hockey, and we would have to go to a different leagues. So sure. we've we've been talking with the commissioners, and for, it's the WCHA, yep. and that would be, well, both of our men's and women's teams would go to that. There's two separate leagues and two separate commissioners. So sure. That's still up in the air too, but they would not, they'd have to play somewhere else besides the Summit League. Sure. So would you say it's kind of just a waiting game for St. Thomas right now? You just got to be patient and see if that waiver is approved. Um. Yeah. It's definitely definitely a waiting game, and I think it's probably going to be a few months still mm-hmm. until we hear something. But I think we're preparing. I think that we are preparing. If we go go Division One, and there will we will be fine if we do. But I think it'll be disappointing for a lot of people if we don't get yeah. it approved. But if you are looking for any coverage about the D1 transition, who's going to provide it, Carly? Tommy Media. TommyMedia.com. Tommy <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Yep. So as uh, it brought up earlier in the show, uh, we mentioned St. Thomas is hosting Gustavus in uh, uh, Mayak, Mayak uh, football action this weekend. Gustav- Finally back at home. Yeah, we're We've back We've been home. gone for a month. God, Carly went to Northfield two weeks in a row. Two weeks uh, in a row. We were at Allianz the weekend before. We were yep. at Augsburg the week before that. Yeah. So it went Augsburg, Allianz. Northfield, uh, Northfield. Northfield, Northfield because yep. of Carlton and St. Olaf. Right. And that St. Olaf game. Oh, God, was it cold. Yeah, that was cold. Ah, uh, down on the sidelines. Ooh, we well, went. Jacob, I hate to break it to you. It's only going to get worse from now. Hey, I, I know. I know. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. But they host uh, Gustavus and frankly Gustavus is really good this year that's what you just said yeah and you know we were, Carly and I were talking about this before the show started and Gustavus put up 33 points on Bethel who is a top 10 team in the nation and they lost 35 to 33 like that's that's a really really good game from Gustavus's point of view and then St. John's who's one of the best teams in the country they lost 33 to 21 that was insane. When we were at St. Olaf and then we found out St. John's lost, everybody, all St. Thomas fans were happy because that gives us a little more hope. Yeah, so Gustavus lost 33-21 to to St. John's early in the season, but what Carly's saying is last weekend, St. John's lost to Concordia Moorhead. How? 19-18 to in overtime. How? Like, like Jackson Erdman threw four interceptions, yeah, that's why. And, and I, he had none against And him. he had a fumble, too. Did he? Oh, my gosh. So that's five turnovers from debatably the best quarterback in all of D3 football. Mm-hmm. Those are mistakes that can't happen, and especially from a St. John's point of view. That's that's a big loss. It's a big loss, and it helps St. Thomas a little bit. Yep. But our chances of making the NCAA football playoffs are still pretty slim. Yeah, because, you know, that loss to Eau Claire, that's just that's the one that's going to get you. So, mm-hmm. You know? If St. John's were to lose to either Ham like like Hamlin this weekend, you right. know, that'd be ideal. But St. John's isn't gonna lose to Hamlin, Carly. It's just St. John's has to lose uh, one more game for us to even have a for sure. It, to have any consideration. Exactly. Because the NCAA released its regional rankings from which playoff teams are chosen mm-hmm. and we are not even in the top ten. St. Oh, John's goodness. and Bethel <laughs> are. And thirty two teams make the football playoffs, but twenty seven are conference champions and only five at large bids. So, so five at large bids. Caruso's gonna have to like work some magic for some, just have this like wish upon a star. Exactly. Or St. Thomas is going to be out of the NCAA playoffs for for the second year second in a row. Second straight year. Yeah, for sure. So it's tough. We have to win these next two games for sure. St. John's has to lose one. Yeah. Which uh, I don't know if that'll happen. So we host Gustavus this weekend, but then the following weekend it's Bethel. Right. Bethel, like we mentioned, uh, top ten team in the nation. Um, they're a team. 
that frankly is very good. They're pretty good. We lost them last year. Yeah, they were the team that quote on like you couldn't say uh, they, it for sure was the reason, but Bethel beat us late in the season last year. Mm-hmm. Ash, we'd already lost to St. John's, and that was one of the big reasons why we didn't get an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, so uh, two kind of tough games coming up. Yep. But ahead of that, we've got um, a l- little bit of a winter sports preview. Um, we've just got men's and women's hockey starting. Women's hockey starts th- has their first game of the season uh, tomorrow. Men's hockey. Uh, they ho- They have a home game next week. They have a home game yep. next week. So we'll provide a little more coverage on them in the future. We'll uh, talk about them a little more in the, uh, the next podcast we have. Yep. But for today, we had a lot to talk about. Go for football on Saturday, MLS Cup Final Sunday, Tommy Football Saturday. There's a lot Viking going on. Sunday. Yeah. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot going on There's right so now. much going on. And it's not going to slow down. So. No, it's not going to slow down. Uh, Carly Noble and I will be here to uh, cover it. So... Thanks, everyone, for listening today. Stay tuned to TommyMedia.com for full St. Thomas fall sports coverage and, of course, more Keep the Ball Rolling episodes to come. For Jacob Schneider, I'm Carly Noble.